This is episode 534 on the 15th of June 2022. Humans are and will continue to be avaricious by nature and nurture and this becomes more prominent when they try not only to control fellow humans to various system of governance but added to this greed is the tendency to apply dominion over animals. The deceptive nature comes through when on one hand we exploit nature through various activities and then feign regret by creating false narratives around superficial disasters like climate change, diminishing food supply, rising and falling population so that the fate of the world is in the hands of the few organizations who want to control most activities. This authority over animals is called domestication in micro terms and in macro terms through structures like zoos and national parks where animals become a spectacle to be seen and exploited. In the fictional world, we took this to another level where extinct creatures were revived about whom our knowledge has always been inadequate. Yet our curious mind did not stop us from experimenting on those whose result was the creation of genetically modified intelligent creatures who saw humans as adversaries waiting to be eliminated. Theme parks were envisioned where these colossal creatures would perform for humans as animals for centuries in circuses. But as it happened, things went slightly out of control. The makers tried to induce nostalgia by recalling the original characters from the first movie, though in a more restricted role from whom it was a deja vu moment when they had to flee another research facility come theme park, going out of control as dinosaurs ran amok, forcing them to team up with the more impulsive characters. The plot of the first, the fourth and the sixth installment is eerily similar when a millionaire's vision and ambition to have a theme park come research facility whose location is on a classified island miles away from civilization. The intention is to have people throng it eventually is shattered when the dinosaurs thought to be safely detained in their cages go on a rampage destroying equipment forcing them to shut these facilities due to inadequate security measures. They are only able to escape due to ego clashes between two of their biggest creations which comes from the theory as to who is the apex predator on this island. While dinosaurs were the apex predator in the world of Jurassic Park and Jurassic World, who was the apex predator as far as the India-South Africa series is concerned? While South Africa had an upper hand in the first two matches as was seen when 
South Africa chased down scores of 200 plus and 150 plus in the first two matches. They had a bit of a luck when, as reiterated by most of the pseudo experts, their openers did not contribute more than 5% to the total, forcing numbers 4, 5, 6 and 7 to do the bulk of the scoring. It happened in the first match, it happened in the second match, but lightning only strikes twice. And when yesterday India made 179 for 5, everyone thought it's not a good score. It's at least 15-20 runs short. And going by history, South Africa will chase this score of 179 easily because the likes of Miller, Rassi van der Dissen, Henrik Klaassen will do the job. But history is made to be recreated. The pressure was on individuals who are called fringes, ironically by those individuals who themselves were fringes for a major part of their career. So this is emanating from jealousy. The likes of Ruturaj Gaikwad was called a fringe player. Ishan Kishan neither fringe nor in the legends group. Then the likes of Shreyas Iyer competing for a position with Surya Kumar Yadav. And all this theory created that these players are competing for positions as only 20 players can make it to the World Cup, which is only four months away. Rather, exactly five months from today, the World Cup starts on 16th October. So it's going to be a very interesting situation. But I think 179 was a good score. The pressure was on the likes of spinners Aksar Patel and Chahal because they went for runs in the first two matches. Then they changed their strategy, their philosophy, though I don't think they did much. I think it was less of the Indian team winning and more of the South African ego coming into play that said even if our openers don't do much, our numbers 3, 4, 5, 6 can do the job and that's exactly what caused them. What caused South Africa was the overconfidence that because they chased in the first two matches, they would be able to walk through as if it's just a piece of cake. But that did not come through. Now, everyone has questioned the likes of Ruturaj Gaikwad about the strike rate and all that nonsense emanating from it. For me, Temba Babuma is a bigger burden on the South African team because he's not the he's not going to score 80 or 40 balls. He's not that kind of player. Yet somehow they have accommodated him in the team and made him captain. I do not mind that, but then he also has to change his attitude because we went after Virat Kohli and Guy Quart and a few other players for their petty strike rates. I think it was the performance of the openers which cost them the match. It was the ego of the likes of Van der Dersen, Andre Klaassen, David Miller which caused them the match. And then of course it was Rishabh Pant's first official international win as a captain. Though one can say that he already had established 
bowlers and batters in the team so he didn't have to do much he just had to make sure that the right people were giving the right experience at the right time and that is exactly what happened in yesterday's match so just to make it clear india did went to get to 180 they did slow down there was a lot of criticism that they slowed down after making close to 100 runs in the first 10 overs they only made around 80 runs in the last 10 but then south africa did not even make 60 runs in the first 10 overs the game was over before that and then you cannot expect a david miller to come and start smashing and hitting in every match he may have done in the domestic competition but there it's a different story because he's not alone he has individual with similar experiences and similar power packed play to back him up here he did not have a rashid khan or a rahul tewati or to back him up but that's domestic this is international there are two different sides of the coin so how do i look at yesterday's match of us the ego cost south africa the series is 2-1 can it become 3-2 well it depends how the performance goes in the next match that does the toss make a difference of course there was so much conversation around the toss then look at how the toss impacts the particular match i don't think the toss makes a difference whether you decide to bowl first or bat first or you think that you have chased down a score of 200 and 150 in the last match you can continue that same momentum that depends on how the team who wants to chase things i don't think it makes a difference it really doesn't make a difference losing a toss is not the end of the world why do we think that toss will be an important thing or there should be some special training when it comes to toss toss as i've said numerous times before is totally fluke it has nothing to do with skills and everything to do with luck it could have been the other way around south africa could have made 180 and this could have been the indian team bowled out for 130 and the tournament over there and then talking about tournaments well everyone was excited about how the partnership of ben stokes and brendan mccallum would shape up ben stokes new zealand born england player brendan mccallum former new zealand player becoming the england coach so you have two individuals with an aggressive mindset who want to attack and we saw the ruthless aggression which had come in the 50 over and 20 over team as far as England was concerned and I was just waiting for this to happen what Johnny Bairstow did yesterday scoring 130 runs of 90 balls it's not novel we have seen that before we have seen that so many times i don't mind if fours and sixes are hit in the test match version i rather have someone score 85 or 51 and get out or rather than someone score 57 of 200 and take 
टू थ्री आवर्स जस्ट स्कोर दो जॉनी बेट्सो वॉज अटैकिंग द न्यूजीलैंड बॉलर्स हुर प्लेड बाई इंजरीज एंड अदर इश्यूज लेफ्ट राइट एंड सेंटर आई थिंक इट वॉज परफेक्ट एंड आई होप दैट सम सैनिटी प्रिवेल्स एंड आई हैव बीन सेइंग दैट समन लाइक जॉनी बेट्सो नीड्स टू ओपन इवन इन द फाइव डे वर्जन कैन ही जैस ई कैन If they could promote Rohit Sharma to open, who is not your regular opener, if they could promote someone as unskilled as Virendra Sehwag to open, who was not your regular opener, even someone as fluked as Tendulkar opened, when he was not a regular opener, it was a gamble taken by the respective captains then, and it worked to a T. Talking about Tendulkar. Everyone knows that Tendulkar took around 80 games to score his first 50 over century. Yet he was in part of the team for 50 games, and here we were questioning Gaikwad, who had gotten off to a slow start by the standards created by the pseudo expert that he did not explode in the first five games. That he is already on the fringes at once. Rohit Sharma and Virat Kohli are part of this team in the World Cup. He may or may not get a chance. So look at the double standards. We are fine with Tendulkar taking over 80 games to score one is made in hundred, but we are not fine if Gaikwad took a little time to score his first 20 over 50. That's five games versus 80 games. But then that's such a fluke. Tendulkar, the biggest fluke of the 21st century, the 20th century. But coming back to the whole opening situation, if I was Ben and McCallum, I would have this thought in my mind that why not exchange Zach Crawley and Johnny Bairstow as far as the opening is concerned. Have Johnny Bairstow open with whoever is the opener, and have someone like Zach Tolley at number six, Ben Stokes at number five, and it becomes a potent team. And as far as the likes of Zach Tolley are concerned, still we are obsessed with the likes of Jonathan Trott and Kevin Peterson, and what else? Well, Kevin Peterson's career was as dramatic as it was. He came. in the most dramatic fashion and he left in the most dramatic fashion we won't go into that but if i was ben mccallum and i was ben strokes and i was part of the team management and i wanted ruthless aggression i would have johnny bates to open just like india gambled with rohit sharma it worked so why can't it work with johnny bates so i've always been saying it can happen Jaisudia was not a opener. Sehwag was not a opener at least for the first two three years. Tendulkar was not a opener. He was at number four, number five, number six in his early years. Gangly was up and down. There were so many examples in this case, but we won't go into those details right now. We'll come back to this match. So the first win for Rishabh Pant, which will take him out of the hole. he is a young captain waiting to have a breakthrough moment he's already done that and what would i do for the world cup instead of rohit sharma i would make rishabh pant the designated captain for the world cup let there be human cry over this 
but my captain, I know three matches are not enough, but they gambled with Dhoni and it worked. Rohit Sharma is a good player, but why not do what we did in the 2007 World Cup? For the 2007 World Cup, there was no Dravid, no Ganguly, no Tendulkar, no Lakshman in that team and yet he went on to win. So let's do one thing. Let's give a break to Rohit and Virat and tell them that you focus on the 2023 World Cup and let this group do the job. So this could be the team for the 20 over World Cup, which means even if you don't have Shami and Bumrah, we can have Shami and Bumrah up to some extent. But in that 2007 World Cup, there was no Zaheer Khan, there was no Tendulkar, no Dravid, no Ganguly, no one cares about Lakshman. And yet we went on to win a ragtag team of individuals with a combined experience of maybe 50-60 matches. We had a couple of young individuals. Karthik was a young 21 and a half year old. The only surviving member from that team from the Maiden World Cup. So yes, I would have Karthik in the team. In fact, this would be my team. I would have a couple of more players as a part of this team and say that Rohit Virat, you focus on the 2023 Test World Cup and 2023 50-over World Cup. 20 overs is any wizard joke. Why do you want to stress yourself out? I would do that. Even if it's the wrong thing to do or the right thing to do, Pant is my designated captain. As far as the vice captain is concerned, well, it could be anyone between Ishan Kishan, Hardik Pandya, anyone. So this could be my team, but that's not going to happen. The selectors will obviously have someone like Kohli and Virat and Rohit and Bumrah and Surya Kumar Yadav, who's fine, he can play, he is a decent player. But this is my thing that let's not stress about a 20 year World Cup, which no one cares about. It's for fun, you win, okay? You have you have done a great job, you lose, it's fine, it's part of the deal. But what do the selectors have in mind? I don't know. And what is going to happen? Who amongst this group will make it to that World Cup? One doesn't know. What is the criteria? It's still baffling, but it's a criteria which we think is the criteria that has to work. Moving on, let's talk about Mission 2022. Now this year there are a lot of tournaments that are going to happen in which India will participate and has continued to participate. The Commonwealth Games where I think you have a 20 over tournament where teams who were part of the Commonwealth, though I really dislike this term, the Commonwealth, but it's been there, we all know what the Commonwealth is. Do I disagree with the term Commonwealth? You could have just given it games or something, but with the Asian Games being postponed for whatever reasons, the Commonwealth game becomes important because India usually does well in this tournament because they don't have the pressure of an Olympic, which has individuals from the world participating. So for me, Commonwealth Games, I see India winning its 20 over tournament only the women's team is participating which is not surprising there's the women's hockey world cup i think india has a very good chance it's a very strong hockey team 
most of you would not agree with it but i really don't care so the women's hockey world cup i give it to india the men's cricket world cup well i would still say that india has a 85% chance of winning it 15% depends on how the two in the group stage and will it be a deja vu what happened last year or will they just brush aside and say that last year was a fluke the men and women hockey pro league championship continues and india has done well in this tournament so it's not given that kind of a serious outlook but i think it's a very important tournament and then come the football qualifiers do you know that india qualified for the asia cup they had to go through tons and tons of matches the football team had to literally sweat it out as the focus was on the obscure nations league the overhyped euro cup which is a useless competition and the football world cup later this year who cares about spain germany portugal because these teams are flukes no one cares if they win or lose i think the indian football team they may be ranked 1 or 6 in the official ranking but for me the indian football team is one of the strongest teams in the world they beat hong kong 4-0 yesterday i could not watch the match because the channel on which it was being televised was not part of the regular channel package and just as we treat football like trash in our newspapers it the channel on which it was televised was itself a trash channel and there was no hype about it just as there was hype about other tournaments but india beat hong kong 4-0 hong kong may not be spain may not be germany may not be portugal may not be argentina but hong kong is an important team as far as the asian part of the continent is concerned asian part of the globe is concerned and i think it's time that the indian football federation did something out of the box and say that let's organize matches against the likes of spain and portugal and germany and italy and russia and other team and see how the indian team does against these so called superpower football teams let's organize india versus argentina let's organize india versus brazil because unless india plays these teams how will we know that they can do well we presume that they will not because these teams have hardly played each other why not even if it's a friendly even if the result in the end is irrelevant i think it's time for india to get out of this asia block literally enough of playing the likes of afghanistan and bangladesh and kazakhstan and china and japan as far as the asia part is concerned move on play belgium play france play italy play germany play every european team who are part of world tournaments let india be a special invited to the euro cup who cares india have with so much effort qualified for the asia cup they should have not done that in the first place they should have got automatic qualification but that doesn't happen that's how the world body that's what the world body thinks of the indian football team at least the hockey team is making some strides but this attitude towards football and a love for european football it's getting out of hand so we need to be very careful or it will become a very dangerous situation
This ends episode number 534 on the 17th of June 2022. Stay tuned for the next episode on the 17th of June 2022 with episode number 535.